Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. Hello once again. The title of what I want to say today is A Nation Reborn in a Day? Question mark. Can a nation be reborn in a day? Well, here in South Africa, we have just witnessed the most remarkable prayer meeting in recent history anywhere in the world. You see, on the 22nd of April, that's Saturday, Christian men, women and children converged on a farm just outside Bloemfontein to intercede for our nation in crisis. And they came in cars, buses, trains, planes, bicycles and even horses. They came from all over South Africa. Over one million people came and joined with hearts, minds and spirits and voices together with one accord. We surely have to ask Isaiah's question when Isaiah in 66 verse 8 said, Who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? None of us have seen such a thing in our lifetimes. Well, what happened was Angus Buchan called the Christian people to prayer and they responded. Not only did people stream to Bloemfontein, but they had prayer meetings, combined churches meeting together in all the major cities and even the small villages and cities in our land. I suppose the sum total must have been two plus million Christians praying. In Bloemfontein, Angus first of all led the people in a confession of sin. For surely we have sinned against God in our private lives and in our, in our national life. He went to pains to state that the meeting wasn't a political event at all, that we Christians don't fight against each other and we don't fight against political parties. We fight for what is good in the face of what is evil. He then uh, said that he would do the praying, but that the people gathered, the million plus people, should say Amen to each of the prayers, because Amen means let it be so. So then he prayed that God would raise up a Jesus-fearing government in our country very soon. He prayed that our country would take the word of God literally. That there would be an end to immorality in our land, the terrible levels of immorality at every level. That racism would be destroyed. That rape and murder would be gone from our land, things that blight our society right now. And that there would be restoration in the families across the face of our land. He prayed for underprivileged and poor people. He prayed for rich people. He prayed for all people, that all of us would be able to say, there is no other God beside Jesus Christ, Him alone, that we will not serve other gods. He prayed forgiveness for our compromising in our nation and our family, compromising our future, and said that from today onwards, we promise to stand up for truth and righteousness at all costs. He said, we draw a line in the sand and we say to the devil, no further than this. South Africa has never seen a gathering of this size before, let alone a peaceful, God-honoring gathering like this one. Yet, you know, I don't think it's really just the day itself that was so remarkable. Just think of it. To bring just, say, a 100,000 people together, that's quite a crowd. To bring a crowd like that together in one place usually requires many months of planning and facilitating and financing and organizing. But this gathering 
took just six weeks, six weeks to bring over a million Christians together on one piece of ground. Think of the cost of a meeting of this magnitude. Enormous! Yet there were no appeals for money. There was no offering taken. Think of the litter and the damage that is normally done when much smaller crowds get together. But in this event, the location was left as it was found, clean and restored. Absolutely remarkable. Now, I was not able to be there, but I have talked to the people who did attend, many of them. I've read the accounts on social media, watched the, the videos on YouTube and so on. And I've meditated a lot on this extraordinary event. I've come to the following conclusions. It wasn't so much what was said from the platform or who said it that was vital, although uh, it was Angus played this hugely important, pivotal role. In fact, he's probably the only person who could have drawn a crowd like this together in one place. And what he said was important. But the real key issue here was the fact that so many believers went to so much trouble and expense and personal discomfort to spend 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 hours, maybe more, traveling, waiting, sitting, standing, praying for our nation. Secondly, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ was genuinely represented as one people together in submission to Almighty God. I mean, a million plus Christians, this has got to be representative of the Church in our nation. And this must have caused the angels to rejoice, surely. And I'm sure it must have caused the devils who were observing to tremble. The unbelieving people of our land will hear of this event. The secular press have downplayed it considerably. And I'm sure some political politicians will deride it. But they will all hear of it. And they will be amazed. You see, this event was a witness to the nation as a vast number of Christians shouted out with one voice, We are deeply concerned for our nation, yet we depend on God, and we believe that He will intervene. Then, last observation on this, a mighty throng of people came away, enthused and encouraged to spread the word of hope far and wide, and determined to keep on praying until they see our nation reborn. Now, I pose myself the question, I pose you the question, in what way can we legitimately expect this mighty happening to affect our nation? And can we legitimately trust that God is already at work in the affairs of our land? And can we claim that in some inexplicable sense, God answered Isaiah's question of, can a land be born in one day, or a nation be delivered in an instant? Isaiah 66 verse 8. Well, this is what I see might well happen. The light of truth will shine in the darkness of our government, and we will see and hear one leader after another speaking out against corruption, greed, arrogance, and national theft. You know, we've already witnessed the start of this. Just one day after this event, our deputy president came on to national television and ran his flag up the flag mast. He put his marker in the ground. He drew his line in the sand. And he declared quite unequivocally where he stands on this matter. And there will be many, many others to follow. Secondly, the ruling party will, I'm sure, continue to polarize and fragment into competing factions right before our eyes. 
as some of its key leaders will form new alliances. And once again, we are seeing the start of this right now. The trade unions have withdrawn from the much-vaunted tripartite alliance and split off and will undoubtedly form their own political party. The Communist Party have also removed themselves from this alliance. The alliance is fragmenting as we watch. Thirdly, economic conditions will, I'm sure, continue to deteriorate because our nation is paralyzed by the political struggle that's currently gripping our throats. The powers of evil in our land will most likely attack the church, accusing it of siding with foreign influences in betraying elected leadership of the nation and so on and so forth. But, you know, for every onslaught, the light of truth will grow more intense and glorious. We shouldn't be surprised if Christians become scapegoats. This has happened throughout history. When evil does not get its way, then it starts to try and find somebody to blame. And who better than the Christian people who stand for righteousness and light against their darkness? But listen, remember what Jesus said to his disciples and therefore to us. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You'll find that in John 16, verse 33. And then possibly the most exciting thing that I see happening in the very near future. Churches across our nation will swell in their numbers as countless people seeking truth will pour into the churches on Sundays, looking for truth and for hope and for love and for very soon I am confident we will witness a genuine Holy Spirit, Jesus-centered revival of historic proportions in our land. Or, perhaps I am totally wrong about all these things. Perhaps something even more exciting will happen. Perhaps we will witness the hand of God sweeping down and removing the cancer at the heart of our society with surgical precision. Perhaps we'll see our land reborn more dramatically and swiftly than we can ever imagine. Remember in 1 Corinthians 2.9 it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. My hope, my faith, and truthfully, my heartfelt expectation is that in the weeks to come, not just the months, the weeks that lie ahead, we will see the dramatic infam- uh, the, the intervention of Almighty God in our nation. And we will shake our heads and say, Wow, I didn't even think that that could possibly happen. I say, Amen. So be it, Lord. May it be so. Okay, as has become the normal practice here on Truth is the Word, my daughter Corin is going to join us. And she, as usual, is going to be asking me, I'm sure, some tough questions, which I will have to try and respond to on the fly. But I must tell you, they're fun. And I I do hope that the questions she asks will reflect some of the things that you might be thinking about and that you wish you could ask if you could. And I also truly hope that I'll be able to answer them with clarity and with wisdom and with godly insight. Hey, so it's all happened then. (laughs) (laughs) sure has you know the one thing that really amazed me is that there was no violence at all and not that you know there would be with the Christians but just there was none there there didn't seem to be any unrest any just 
you know, no, no accidents. I think there was one accident, and I'm not even sure it was involved. Isn't that a miracle in itself? Yes, it is. You know, the entire organization of the day was a miracle. Yeah. I mean, if you start recording what happened here, you, you have a million people plus coming on to one place and that all being organized in six weeks. And I've spoken to engineers and project managers recently who said it's virtually impossible. Hmm. You know, that normally takes up to a year to organize these things for lesser crowds. But they got the advertising done, was all word of mouth and social media. They, um, whoever put those hugely expensive speakers and stages and all that there, they got all that provided. They didn't have any water on the premises, so what happened was a man came along with a drilling rig and said, okay, I'll drill. And the owner said, well, go, go for it, knock yourself out. But, you know, we've tried before and drilled and bang. <laughs> Up came the water in a gusher. <laughs> and you wrote about the accident. I've, I've only heard of one on the road, and there's no evidence to say it was people going to or from yeah. the, the function. It was just on that particular road. That's, it was one accident. that's phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. Okay, I've, I've always thought that churches should very much steer away from things like sex and politics. And I know, I know that you know what we're doing isn't a church thing per se, it's a you know, truth is the word as a website. But don't you think it's been getting a little bit political lately? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, it's a very unusual season we're in. Mm. I know we have some international listeners and they need to just bear with me here, but uh, the South African scene, the local scene, our country is in crisis. And it's been described as uh, a bigger crisis than we faced before the first elections 23 years ago. Yeah. So we are in extreme conditions, politically, socially, economically. And so I felt that it was really important to address these things at this particular time. Secondly, the, you know, how do we define politics? Well, politics really is just concerning the government of a country. Mm. And uh, we have a democratic government. And dem democracy means government by the people. And we Christians are citizens of the nation. And in fact, we're supposed to be model citizens. So, yes, I do believe that Christians should, and churches when it comes to that, should be involved in national politics in as much as speaking truth to power, hmm. being the conscience of the, of the nation, bringing constructive alternatives, uh, pointing the way towards moral values and so on. Because we are in the world, although we are not of it, but we are part of this country and we have a responsibility, a civic responsibility, to be exercising our responsibilities as citizens and as institutions. Now, that's different from party politics. Party politics is when groups of people are trying to vie for power. There's fac factionalism and sectarianism and people are trying to become the government of the day. I don't believe a church has any role in that at all. Mm. In fact, to get involved in that is to become divisive mm. because churches, we have people coming from all sorts of political persuasions into our church congregations and that would just be divisive. So I draw a distinction between politics, which is the democratic government of our nation, which we should be involved in, and party politics, which churches certainly shouldn't. Individual Christians, if they want to get involved in political parties, well, fine, they must follow their conscience and what they believe God is leading them to do, but, but not churches. So party politics, you mean that they mustn't have alliances with a particular party? Yeah, I don't think a church should align itself or p 
punt a particular political mm. party or extol the virtues of a particular party or castigate the negatives of another political party. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, do you think that church leaders and theologians have a responsibility to speak out about things that might be political, um, things of national importance? And, you know, when I look at Jesus, I don't remember him ever giving any political speeches. No, I don't think he did give any political speeches. But, you know, there's a very interesting thing that you find in Luke 13, uh, it's about 32, I think, around about there, mm-hmm. where they bring a report to Jesus saying Herod, who is, you know, represents the government of his day, Herod was the, was the political leader of that area, says, Herod is after you, he wants to kill you. And Jesus' comment was, go and tell that fox, <laughs> I will keep on doing what my father says I must do. Wow. So, so he spoke very bluntly into political leaders. And when he was confronted by people like Pilate, he didn't mince his words. Yeah. He said to Pilate, you have no power over me if it wasn't given to you from above. Mm. So he was quite fearless and quite outspoken when it came to those in power. Yeah. But that wasn't his focus at all. His focus was extending the kingdom of God, the unseen realm of the sovereignty of God. So, so whereas he didn't address politics per se, he did say other things like, um, you, my disciples, are, are, have to be the salt of the earth. Mm. And in fact, the NLT translation says, you're the salt of all mankind, I think it says, humanity, all mankind. And the very next verse in Matthew says, and you are to be the light of the world. Mm. So we disciples are to be salt, and salt is a preservative. It's to prevent meat from going rotten, and that's a hang of a good analogy, right? No, they talk about the fish rots from the head down. Well, we need to be pouring lots of salt on the fish head. Mm. Yeah. Um, but would you say it's a responsibility, though? Yes, I do. I think, uh, you know, we proclaim truth. Mm. We say we have access to truth, that Jesus is the truth and the way and the life. And when we see things going horribly wrong in the society of which we are part, yeah. then surely we have a responsibility to speak into it. Now, without, you know, not sort of bubble bashing, I'm talking about speaking truth to power, speaking truth to society. And truth is always confrontational, I guess, but it's also positive. Yeah. Now, truth is light. Light's a positive force. Yeah. So we shouldn't just be criticizing. We should be saying, no, look here, this is the way mm. we should be going. This is what, what we should be doing. And I imagine without doing anything too radical like stopping paying taxes, etc., because there is that give to Caesar what, it, what is his due passage in the Bible. Yeah, and that opens up a kind of a different question. The question then implied is, so how do we salt and how do we make light? Mm. And I think when you're talking about like withholding taxes and boycotting and so on, that isn't a positive declaration of truth. I think that for me is a last-ditch stand, which says, you know, if you don't listen to us and you you continue to go down this route, we will have to do something to attract your attention. It's like a a march. Mm. It's essentially that. When people get together and they march, they're basically saying, we want you to listen to us. We have something to say and you're just ignoring us so we're going to get in your face, so to speak. But it's an avenue to explore once every other has been tried, I think. Um, I think so. But again, maybe a different topic for a different day. In fact, maybe I'll write an article about you know, conscientious objection mm. or um, that kind of... How, what do we do if 
if nobody's listening, yeah. how do we as individuals, Christians and groups, how do we then say, we need you to know that we are totally unhappy with this? Yeah. And I think that's a different topic. But along that line, what, what role do we have as just common garden variety Christians in national affairs? So that means we're all that, eh? right? All common garden variety <laughs> Christians. Hopefully not weeds. <laughs> okay, the first thing is we've got to pray, obviously. Yeah. So we should be praying consistently for our nation. In fact, that's probably the biggest takeaway from the It's Time prayer rally. Yeah. Was the message which says, guys, don't stop now. Mm. Be committed to praying for the nation. Yeah. Keep on praying. So that's the first thing. Mm. The second thing is when the opportunity arises in the municipal elections or the national elections, we must vote. We must mm. exercise our right to vote. In that way, we can have a say through the uh, proper uh, channels that have been set up for us. Okay. And then, of course, the, the thing that I've been talking about, we need to speak into our circle of influence. Yeah. So... If if we are a church leader, we have a circle of influence within the church. If we are journalists, we have a circle of influence. If we are in politics of some form, we have a very direct circle of influence. But wherever it is, even if we've if we've just got an office job, we've got a little influence, a circle of, of influence. Of course we there. have. So you know that's what being salt and light for me is. Mm. Salt prevents corruption, and light shows truth. Mm. And and if we're not going to do that, who is? Yeah, that's true. Okay, Dad, you've, you've always taught me, do your best and trust God for the rest, which yep. is a great philosophy and I've relied on it. Except that I, I personally feel that I can always do more, you know, doing your best, is it feels <laughs> quite difficult. Um, you know, what is my best? So where do you draw the balance between a sort of blind faith almost in that God will take care of it and doing what we can to influence things apart from our sort of circle of influence in our office like we've been talking about okay look the answer is in that adage do your best and trust god for the rest so we christians are in a wonderfully strange partnership with god mm. in in the greek it's called uh, a synthiki, <laughs> uh, which means it's a partnership of un, uh, not of equals but of unequal status mm. God is the greater partner, we are the lesser. Mm. Yes, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) But we are yoked together, we actually are in partnership. He has allowed that partnership. Hmm. So that means that we work together on these things. So we we do our best, we pray, we seek guidance, we look to the scriptures, we say, what did Jesus do, what would he have us do in this situation? And then we do our very best to do that, all the time, submitting it to God, saying, Lord, I believe I'm doing this in your power, we ask for his empowerment. But when we get to that place where there is nothing more we can do, we have to step away there and say, Father, I can't do any more now. Mm. Please, if you want more done, you'll have to do it yourself. And by the way, that's what church revivals are, you know. Mm. Church revivals are are, are people, Christian people, getting to a place where they say, we can't change the society anymore. Yeah. We can't even change our own lives anymore. We, we're um, we're lost in the m- the morass of of all these things that's been happening. So, please, Lord, step in. And revival is exactly that. God saying, "Step aside, then, and let me show you." And He comes and He He does it. So it isn't a question of just expecting that always. Yeah. And nor is it a question of never expecting it. Mm. It's a question of 
Together with God we do our utmost. But when all fails, we still trust God. Mm. And again, Angus had this expression uh, at the at the prayer gathering. We must always add, but God can, at the end of our sentences. Yeah. I can't get any further down this line, but God can. Yeah. So that kind of expresses that same partnership that we're in. Okay. I want to ask you now the biggest question. So on the day of the event, those of us that didn't go, I know that there were little gatherings, people were praying. There was this feeling of great excitement and anticipation with me, with the people that I spoke to. And then we we kind of didn't really hear anything and everyone was watching to see what was going on. And I think I was kind of hoping for, you know, the heavens to open up and, you know, God to talk down to the, you know, everyone or something, you know, the equivalent of the rainbow after, after, after the floods. Yeah. Um, and I was hoping that the next day the papers will be, God's existence can no longer be denied. Look at this irrefutable proof. But it was uh, a lot, okay. it was a lot more, more subtle than that. You know, what do you, what do you make of that? Do you think that, that it, it is just God's way of intervening, you know, where we, where we uh, heard? Okay. Okay, it's a question of how you, what your expectations are. So mm. my expectations weren't that at all. Okay. So, for instance, in in the book of Acts, you find that Peter is being harassed by the by the powers, the authorities, and he's told <coughs> he mustn't preach again in the name of Jesus. Mm. So he goes back to the disciples, and they all get together in prayer, and they say, "Please, Lord, you hear what these people are saying," and then they say two things. Please empower us to speak your word with power and stretch forth your mighty hand and do wonderful things in the name of Jesus. Mm. And then the place where they, were, where they were meeting, not where the government was, where they were meeting, shook. Mm. So the little miracle that happened there, the little sign, was merely a sign, merely a thing saying, yes, um, um, okay. But it's what happened afterwards that's significant. Yeah. Because he answered that prayer. They went out, they preached with such boldness that they impacted the entire world. Mm. You know, Christianity is still the biggest growing, fastest growing religion on the face of the earth 2,000 years later. Mm. Not that I like to call it a religion ever. But yeah, yeah, sure, but a, a faith. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what happened on the day was, in fact, there were all these little signs. They were these signs of God's pleasure. The things some of our, I've mentioned. I mean, a million people picking up every bit of litter That's afterwards. Amazing. I mean, I mean, come on. Yeah. The uh, the absolute peace and joy that was in that place. Yeah. The absolute absence of any kind of political interference or nobody wearing political t-shirts, nothing. Yeah. That's amazing. Nobody even tried to capitalize. One man, I believe, tried to sell ice cream. Yeah. And he was shown off the premises yes. by by the ushers. Yeah, it's amazing. Nothing like that. No collection taken. Um, no offerings. No speak of speaking of finances. I mean, that's miraculous. Then, in just as Angus was coming to the climax of what he had to say, a typical uh, Bloemfontein type whirlwind came up. Yes. and it came uh, with true quite a lot of power. I mean, it blew one poor lady's hat. I don't know if you've seen the videos. There's a big blue hat that goes straight up into the heavens. <laughs> no, I heard that an umbrella went upside down. Uh, inside yes. Out. Yeah. 
and then you see you actually catch sight of this little whirlwind zipping across. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, they, you get those in that part of the world from time to time, but the timing is just too perfect. It was a perfectly peaceful, still day. There was no wind before. There was no wind afterwards. So there were these little signs. So the real issue is, has God now started to move in our nation? And I believe he really has. The very next day, our vice president actually came out for the first time and decisively before the nation said where he stood. Hmm. That he was against corruption and he was against the factionalism that was happening in our government, governing party and so on. Now he's been pussyfooting around this for years. Yes. But the very next day, he comes out and he says that. And after him, one after the other, important leaders in our nation have been saying similar things. So the meet, so the meeting wasn't supposed to be the, the, the be-all and end-all. It was the beginning of change. Yes, mm. it was. Because what was the meeting? The meeting was a million-plus Christians coming together and saying, please, Lord, intercede, intervene in our nation. Mm. Well, you know... Um, a huge ball of fire coming from the heavens and going poof over the horizon would hardly be doing much for our nation. <laughs> That's true. No, an intervention by God is not fire and wonders. Yeah. An intervention by God is changing stuff. Yeah. And look, we have got this nuclear deal on, that has been on the table for over two years. It wasn't put through Parliament. It was going to cost, they say, the, the report is over a trillion rand, which is a, a disgusting amount of money. Mm. It was undoubtedly corrupt. There was no tender process. It was all done in smoky rooms in in the dark. Yeah. And a couple of days after this prayer meeting, what happens? The court rules set aside, illegal, unconstitutional. If you want to do this deal, you've got to start from scratch, and it's got to go through Parliament and be subject to public scrutiny. <laughs> now, that, that's a miracle. Yeah, that is. You know, so, I mean, these things are happening. Um, Parties are gathering, um, changing the power structures in our nation have changed in a week. Mm. The trade unions are are reorganizing themselves, all sorts of stuff. And our justice system, our high court and constitutional court system has come through with such power and in the same week, just after this prayer meeting, our chief justice was part of a prayer meeting actually held in the provincial council chambers. Oh, it's wonderful. Well, you know, these are not little things no, they're not. that we've actually seen happening in the week. My expectation is that we're going to see more and more happening in the build-up to December. I think um, we're in the, a, a period of huge change. And we are going to be amazed. I, th- I honestly think we're going to catch our breath as the weeks and months tick by and we're going to say, who would have thought this possible? Mm. Who would have thought that this kind of change could have come into our nation? So I'm full of optimism and and hope. But it's not hope and trust in our politicians. It's hope in God and and trust in Him. I believe He's heard. I believe He's he's acting in our nation. Okay, so if we're running out of time, um, we as Christians need to carry on praying. That's that's what I got out of of this more than anything. And um, is there anything else that you want to add? Well, we've got to continue to pray. We've got to continue to speak into our circles of influence. Mm. And you know, we, you, we started this Q&A by you asking, hey, hasn't truth is the word become a bit political mm. of late? Well, I don't class it as that, because our mandate is to speak as Jesus speaks mm. and, and to be Jesus-centered. 
and part of that is to be light. So I think we've got to continue to be where we can and in a positive, constructive manner addressing things so that the light continues to flood, so that the darkness can't creep in around the edges again until we see the, the, the massive changes actually happening. Okay, great. Thanks very much, Daddy. Okay, daughter of mine, and (laughs) bye to you, bye to everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth Is The Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth talks.